there and welcome to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and I want to thank you so much for being here and being that proactive parent, getting the resources that you need. And especially in these times when, you know, people are kind of hunkering down and some people have a little bit of fear about the, uh, you know, the, the global issue with the coronavirus. And I just want to address it that, you know, it's, it's, it's time to just, you know, stay strong, but also stay calm. You know, you're a leader, you're here still. You're able to have access to a lot of the things that you need online and and value this time with with your children at home. You know, there are some benefits, a lot of benefits going on. Um, China is seeing blue sky that they haven't seen in years. I think we're, you know, helping the planet in a lot of ways, too. So, you know, thankfully, we have online resources available to us. And I'm also offering something to you right now because it is of extreme value to you and having the time at home to go through it, even though I've kept it short because I know you're busy. I have a free autism recovery masterclass going on right now. It's a free four-part video series. The videos are only about 20 minutes each because I know even though you're home, you might be an unintentional homeschooler at the moment and you've got a lot going on, but um, they're really valuable. I'll walk you through all of the necessary steps to autism recovery so you have the knowledge about how you can help your child with this delicate process because there's a lot to it there's a lot more than diet um, although diet is very very important but it is the first step and anyway the in, the entire class is available to you right now registration is at naturally recovering forward slash master class and uh, again it's right now if you know anybody who could be interested in it as well other parents of children with autism or if you're in groups please share it uh, it's available until march 30th so i want to make sure that that uh, you know not to miss it and uh, i'll also link to that on the show notes which will today for today's show notes will be at naturally forward slash 74 and today um, we're fortunate to have a guest with us who is an expert in mthfr or uh, the gene mutation that can happen with autism and we're going to discuss some of the the really delicate issues uh, that go on with kids with well a lot of people have this this gene mut- mutation we'll explain it to you so don't worry about that but uh, I just wanted to make sure you know this is very common and what it generally means in in you know just sort of simplified terms is um, is that there is a uh, weakened detoxification process and you've probably seen that your kids can be really sensitive sensitive to things and that's really what's going on for kids with autism they have a, a toxic overload and they are have a lot of inflammation in their body and in their brain and so if we can reduce those things then the body is able to kind of come back naturally it's a it's a, just a natural biological process the body can take over once these things are out of its way so first of all, I want to introduce Dr. Kendra Becker to you. She's been with us before, if you've tuned in, uh, and I will on the show notes link to the other episodes that we've done with her. Uh, and Dr. Kendra Becker is an integrated physician practicing in a, for over 10 years. She is Connecticut's, actually, I would say now, uh, I believe it's Florida's, for a specialist, because she's moved recently. 
asthma, autism, allergies, and, and uh, eczema atopy. She holds a naturopathic degree and a master's in APRN, and she's board certified in both areas. Her specialties include MTHFR, fertility, and treatment of these forays. And Dr. Becker focuses on primary primarily treating the pediatric population and their parents. And Dr. Becker is adjunct faculty at two prominent universities where she teaches to physicians and precepts students, doctors, and nurse practitioners. Dr. Becker lectures all over the country on topics such as autism, the immune system, MTHFR, and genetic mutations that have health implications and keeping healing at home. Dr. Becker is the author of A Delicious Way to Heal the Gut and released her second book, All You Can Eat. Dr. Becker, thank you for being here with us today. I really appreciate your time. Anytime. I'm happy to be back. And I'm glad we're going full steam ahead in spite of all this, the pandemic and the quarantine that our country is experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. We're very fortunate um, for the online availability to us today. It does give us, you know, access to, to things like this outside the home and, and we can take time to learn and, and, and gather information we need and, and again, spend time with our children that maybe, you know, we've been too busy at work and, and now we have that time we've been looking for. Um, so what I wanted to really talk to, talk about today with you because we talked about the MTHFR genetic mutations a bit in the past, but I, I definitely, if you would please, especially for parents who have never heard it before, have not tuned in before or read anything about it, just kind of explain what it is. And then I'd really like to get into today the, the dietary aspects that are more specific, especially to people who have this very, very common genetic mutation and what to look for. And then, of course, we'll, we'll talk about some of the supplements involved, too, um, that are important. So um, maybe just uh, we have just a, a few moments before we have a break, but if you could just talk a little bit about what the MTHFR genetic mutation is, and then we can finish up when we come back from the break, too. Sure, absolutely. So... Uh, the MTHFR genetic mutation, well, the MTHFR gene codes for an enzyme that helps our body methylate. And methylation is a core process that occurs in all cells. It's responsible for cellular repair and detoxification, neurotransmitter production, and healthy immune system production. It also regulates homocysteine metabolism and, <coughs> excuse me, and patients who have a, a homocysteine problem, the benefit of having a resilient human body is they can actually develop compensatory mechanisms to help manage that homocysteine. And what methylation is, methylation is required for many, many important functions in the body. It turns on and off genes, it processes or excretes chemicals, uh, xenobiotic compounds, helps the liver function um, in detox pathways between phase one and phase two, builds and breaks down neurotransmitters, metabolizes, uh, excuse me, builds and break da- breaks down neurotransmitters, builds immune cells, helps build and restore and repair DNA, produces energy, produces protective myelin, and helps build and maintain cell membrane. So it's a really, really important, even though we have 20,000 genes with over 4 billion gene combinations, it's a really important gene and it is a factor in a whole lot of stuff that's really important to our bodies. 
you know, and you're saying too, it helps liver phases one and two. It's important for, again, that's detoxification, the neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters. If you're a parent listening in neurotransmitters are basically brain's messengers. I may have heard of things like serotonin and dopamine and a lot of the, up to 95% of the serotonin uh, uh, transmitters, things like that are made in the gut. And we know that, you know, starting with healing the gut and working out those issues uh, for our kids is step one, because then, then the neurotransmitters can can also be built and be able to be transmitted to the brain properly so the brain gets the messages and serotonin just to give an, an example it has to do with sleep and appetite and mood and staying calm and so we know that our kids have issues with those so very very important we're going to take a very short break right here and stay tuned with us we'll be we both hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i'm your host karen thomas and today we are talking about some of the mthfr genetic mutations and we're going to be talking about the dietary components that are uh, important when that uh, that genetic mutation exists and how to know if that genetic mutation exists because and i and dr dr kendra becker is here with us today and dr becker i'll I'll, maybe i'll just jump in with this little caveat here now where there are genetic mutations and there are uh, tests there are tests that you can do for for the mthfr gene but i have found with the parents that i i work with in my program over and over it really isn't completely necessary to do the test i find because if you give your child methyl b12 and you find they get super hyperactive there's a right there a big sign right there that there's an mthfr or a methylation issue and um and then we'll talk about how to how to you know basically try to integrate that supplement into a child uh because they do need it but also that and um and then certain foods especially histamine reactions etc so i just wanted to ask you really quickly about your thoughts on that do you uh, do you like to go ahead and test or do you just watch for symptoms and say that can be enough too um i actually do a lot of testing and largely because of the experiences that my parent my parents and my patients have had they come in the office and they say oh i've tried xyz supplement i had a horrible reaction and it makes them a little gun shy going forward so i i in my office do quite a bit of testing most of my patients just because of my practice base is what we would call a complex methylator so i would never um, use b vitamins you know just kind of blindly i tend to be really conscious about testing but i also as you know because you've known me long enough now karen know that i'm a less is more kind of girl so in a lot of cases, I actually prefer not to use supplements at all and just try to get supplementation or the nutrient balance through food in most cases or in, in as much of the cases we can. Which is a perfect segue into the food. So, you know, we're dealing with a lot of uh, children with autism who will have, will mm-hmm. be very, very picky eaters. And they're, of course, they're addicted to the gluten and the casein. Not only do those develop opiates, like the opiate drug in the system, so they actually can become addicted, but those with processed carbohydrates and the sugars that processed carbohydrates create in the body will feed the candida and the pathogenic bacteria. So the kids, again, are addicted to that because those pathogens in their body are craving them. So how are you, 
um, integrating some of the good foods because all the parents are always looking for more tips on picky eating. I'm actually going to do a webinar this Saturday for that. And if you're in, if you're registered for my masterclass, you will get the information on that. The masterclass link will be on today's show notes, as I mentioned. Uh, but um, I think picky eating is such it's it's the first step. But so many parents have trouble integrating good diet. So I would love to hear what uh, what your advice is on that. Your the parents you work with. Sure. So I completely agree with you. Picky eating is the bane of existence for a lot of parents, not just the ones that have kids with autism, although I do mm. find that it's accelerated. And I think you and I even had a conversation about the, the mechanism behind picky eating. And the problem is, is that what happens with kids is they develop a food sensitivity and then they end up with high levels of histamine throughout their GI tract, which clearly starts in the mouth. So the high levels of histamine then become a normal physiologic reaction when they start eating foods that their bodies are sensitive to. So that reaction with the high levels of histamine then becomes normal in their brains and then they only crave foods that have that high histamine reaction in their mouth. So that's why you see these kids with their palates get more narrow and more narrow and more narrow. So depending on what we're trying to, you know, heal, you know, what trajectory we're going on for that healing journey for that parent or that family would depend on what my recommendations are. But, so, you know, some of the really simple, and I think, Karen, you and I even talked about this, recommendations are, you know, for the kids that are the chicken nuggets and the French fry kids, like switch to just an organic brand. Don't worry about it being gluten and dairy-free first, just switch to an organic brand. Then from there, then you can go to like a gluten-free chicken nugget. Then you can go to a home-breaded chicken nugget or something like that. And sometimes that can be really helpful. I've also had kids and families that do really well with that whole kind of throw out the junk approach where Tuesday they come in the office and Wednesday they start a whole brand new diet. And because the food isn't in the house, sometimes there's a short adjustment period. And then certainly kids are not going to intentionally starve and they will go, then go and make healthier choices. So whatever it is that works for those families is, is definitely something I support. But we know when you're positive for MTHFR, you utilize B vitamins, particularly B6, B9, and B12 really, really inefficiently. And so the body does have a higher need and a higher desire for those nutrients. Now, you know, with a word of caution, you can't just blanketly supplement B12, uh, methylfolate, or B6 with a lot of these patients because they will end up with more symptoms than they had to begin with. So sometimes what we just try to do is grind broccoli into tomato sauce or make something that you can add an additional green vegetable to so we can make sure we get high levels of folate or, you know, switch to, to beef or ground beef that we know that that child or that family will eat. So those are all things that can be incredibly beneficial. Right. And a parent, like you said, they have to kind of adjust to whatever is going to work for them. I know kids will right. sometimes tantrum out at first and, and, you know, and it's really scary for the parents. And they're like, I've tried, but I can't do it. And I think there's just a lot of fear, of course, watching your child do that or thinking they're going to starve to death if they don't eat anything. And, and so, you know, some, for some people, like I said, it might work that they just take all of the bad foods out of the house and for other people it, and just do it all at once. And for other people, it might might be this the slow integration is a much easier process so I think because it is stressful on the parent and they have enough going on already that you know you kind of have to figure out what works what's working for you and some kids are much more picky than others but he also yeah. we talked about uh, also last time uh, you were on we we were discussing how there are these synthetic 
B vitamins in foods and how they can make things worse for kids too. So um, why, don't you, why don't you go ahead and touch on that now as well? Oh, absolutely. I do want to tell you two stories about just what we were talking about, about food withdrawal. So when I was a very first a doctor, before I had my own kids, I had a kid who was addicted to casein and, of course, had all the autism spectrum behaviors and was having real trouble in school. Single mom, the story, the, the family situation wasn't perfect. This little kid was drinking, he was about four years old, he was drinking almost two gallons of milk a day. So not only was, you know, the, the casein allergy a problem, but certainly the blood sugar fluctuations and all of that. So, you know, before you have your own kids, it's really easy to be, um, you know, a great advisor to parents. And so I say to the mother, get rid of all the milk. So she was like, okay. So she goes home and she does it, right? And I, I have no idea the implications of this because I'm not a mother myself. And that kid laid on the floor and screamed, milk, please, for three days. The mother held strong and certainly got him off the milk. And, you know, to this day, he just graduated from college, by the way. This is how long ago this was. He's beautiful. He hasn't had an IEP since kindergarten and is doing wonderfully. But it was a really interesting kind of story. So fast forward. Uh, 15 years later, I'm in my practice. I have a very similar situation. This this child is much older. He's about 12 at the time, so we include him in the in the treatment. And he says to me when I say you can't have any milk, he says I'm not agreeing with you, and I'm leaving right now, and I'm going to run away with my milk. And that kid also has been off dairy for about four years, and he is uh, the star linebacker on his football team. So there's always those wonderful stories that come out of of the extreme, but nonetheless, it's generally not what's optimal for most families. And I want to ask you, too, I'm curious about what those parents, you know, because you were there, what they experienced and um, and and what while the kid was going through that, what a parent can do maybe as their own um, assurance that everything's okay as well. We're going to actually take a short break right here, but you're listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. Stay with us. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I am your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking about the MTHR or methylation gene and its mutation and the dietary foods associated with helping that and helping your child to um, be on the recovery process and the detoxification aspects and what you can do with that. And we have Dr. Kendra Becker here with us, who is a specialist in this field. And before the break, we were talking about how, you know, you could take the, the, the step of of completely getting everything out of your home and uh, that's all the bad foods and just not allowing your child to eat any of them and they're you know that you you will have tantrums uh, as as the story that dr becker shared with us a few minutes ago about how this one child didn't eat for three days screamed on the floor tantrumed out but then I would love to hear if you know, Dr. Becker, a little bit more of that, um, that story, like what the mom was going through or what, you know, the fear probably, but not just the fear of her, what she went through, but how, when that child started eating. And then the other one too, where the, the kid said, no, I'm not agreeing to this and wouldn't do it. What was the transitional right. phase and what foods they started eating, what, what they did on the other side of it? Sure. 
so the first one, like I said, that was, I mean, and you and I talked briefly off the air. I would never, ever recommend that now, having my own kids. <laughs> like, that must have been brutal. The mom called me several times. We emailed back and forth. I really was, you know, kind of this staunch doctor, you know, pre-motherhood myself. And I was like, he'll be okay. You know, I've never known a toddler to starve. It'll be okay. Continue to offer him, you know, food and drinks and this, that, and the other thing. And literally after three days, morning, noon, and night of him screaming, milk, please, he kind of got up off the floor, ate dinner, and went on with his day. And, you know, I just kind of associated that and explained this to the mother when she had come back in the office, that that was really very much like a heroin withdrawal. I mean, I, I would never recommend that kind of protocol to anybody before, but his body was literally detoxing from something that he was addicted to. But once he got through that, he really, you know, never went back to the dairy, at least to the best of my knowledge, at 19, and uh, got through it and went back to kind of a normal physiologic diet. Now, fast forward with the other child that I was speaking of, who's, you know, now a, a high school, I think he's a junior, sophomore or junior, and plays football, or at least did before we all went into lockdown. In his case, he had a very, very supportive family. His mother was already on board, and her diet was already pretty clean. And it was just we brought him into the office, included him in the treatment, because he was the one that really kind of needed to hear it. So what we did with him is we literally just got rid of all the liquid milk in the house initially, gave him a couple of weeks to adjust, and then we pulled the rest of the dairy out. And, again, he's been a couple years without any dairy as well. So it can be done in all different ways. I always, you know, refer and defer to the parents and the family because what it looks like in my house and what my recommendations or advocacies would be for my own family are completely different for everybody else. Right. And I know parents have a lot of fear. They do think my child will starve to death. I've heard that from them. Or they'll only eat and bread and milk and that's it. And that that is important for them to know that the child, your child is literally addicted. Um, the opiates yeah. that, that, that gluten and casein develop in the body is like a child who has an opiate addiction when you pull them off of those foods. So understand mm -hmm. that this is beneficial what, to get them off of these foods and how beneficial it is because how much these will also inflame the body. They're very inflammatory foods. They are filled uh, with glyphosate, the chemicals and things that are eating away at the, uh, the lining of the gut, creating leaky gut. There are so many reasons why you want to heal the gut up first and how these foods are contributing and if they have the MTHFR gene mutation, they're even m more susceptible to the lack of detoxification, things that can happen. So what um, I know that you're saying you can integrate some of these uh, organic foods first that still have maybe a little bit of the bad foods in them. And then um, very important to know that if uh, the B vitamins, everybody has to be very careful with the B vitamins and especially methyl B12, which methyl stands for like the methylation. And kids will need methyl B12, and, but mm -hmm. it's important to know how to slowly integrate this in. And one thing I have found, too, is that glutathione helps the methylation aspects to, of the body, the detoxification aspects, to support it a little bit before you even enter methyl B12 and to do some gut healing. So, so again, the liver's not as congested and you've got some detoxification going first. So what other um, examples or suggestions do you have, Dr. Becker? 
I, you ha that was my whole list, Karen. Now you have nothing to say. Exactly. You are you are absolutely right. And ideally, you know, especially because methylation can be really dicey for people. And if you push the pathways with too much B12 or too much methylfolate, it certainly can make an individual real symptomatic. So I really like to go with healing foods. So ideally, you know, things that ha are high in, you know, vitamin C because that helps clear out some of the, the liver cells. I like foods that are high in folate. Again, it's, it's natural folate that's found in foods, things like almonds, artichokes, asparagus, avocado, you know, those sorts of things. And if we can just start to integrate those into the diet, right, then we can maybe have less of a demand for a supplement repletion. And that's generally my word of, you know, my rule of law. The other thing that tends to be really effective, depending on what we're seeing genetics-wise, is to use B12 topically. And that's, oh, that's an very effective. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And where topically yep. specifically? So, uh, you know, when you have a wiggly little kid, anywhere you can get it. You know, I, okay. I, you know, ideally, I like to say on the belly or on the inside of the arm, like on a fleshy part of the arm, you know, the same place that we would replete topical iodine or women, you know, hormonal women would use, you know, topical hormones because just because the, the fatty, fleshier areas of the body <clears throat> help with absorption. But sometimes if I have patients that are really, really symptomatic from uh, supplements like B12 or methylfolate, I will use a topical. The other thing topical B12 is great for is eczema, right? Because what do we see in these kids? They're low in B12, you know, on lab work. So we can use a lot of topical B12 right on the eczema patches while we're working on healing and sealing the gut and reducing inflammation. And then again, the other problem that we have too with people that are positive for MTHFR is high levels of histamine which I know you guys will all be excited to come back and listen to why histamine is so rotten for us. Right? Yeah, this, this is a, <laughs> you did a great job. And histamines are really, really important for, um, I have an entire, in my program, an entire separate section on diet on, that's just on the whole histamine aspects because it is so important. So we're going to take a short break right here. You are listening to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas. Please stay with us. We'll build Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism, and I am your host, Karen Thomas. Today, we are talking with Dr. Kendra Becker about the MTHFR, or methylation genetic mutation, and how that affects detoxification, but also how it, if, what dietary needs and changes and uh, things to be aware, there are to be aware of. And in this segment, we want to talk about histamines, and histamines are something of extreme value for you to know about for not only your child with autism, but all of your children, yourself, uh, your spouse, because this is something that affects a lot of people and they don't understand, like, why am I having rapid heart rate or why do I feel so hyper after I eat certain foods or what's going on? So, Dr. Becker, why don't you start with maybe even square one of histamines, you, you, what they are and how they affect us, but, and we'll talk about certain foods. Um, but also, you had mentioned a little while ago about the effect that they have on the brain in particular and what behaviors and things that parents might look for. So I, I definitely would like for you to, to touch on that as well, please. Absolutely. 
So histamine is involved in the immune system and the digestive system. It's a component of stomach acid, the central nervous system, and it works like a neurotransmitter or a neurochemical. Histamine is a really strong promoter of the inflammation cascade, mast cell activation, and T cell, cell responses. And prolonged reaction or, or prolonged histamine reaction and chronic inflammation causes the, the imbalance or either depletion or extra excretion of the histamine. We, the other problem is, is that we sometimes end up with high brain levels of, of copper. And when we have high brain levels of copper or maladapted histamine, we end up with neurotransmitter imbalances. So that's kind of like the little elevator speech on histamine. The, the problem and the challenge with histamine and MTHFR, of course, is MTHFR, remember, uh, promotes and controls and activates detox systems, particularly through the liver. If the body is not doing that properly, then the immune system is going to get activated because the body, the organism, is going to feel like it's under attack. When the body is under attack, it's going to basically call out the immune, what I refer to as the Marines of the immune system, which kind of shoot first and ask questions later. And that's where the problem of histamine is, is then histamine starts reacting with everything in the body. Now, it's our first line of defense, so it's not like we want zero histamine in the body. We just want the right balance for ourselves. And histamine is initially activated when we put food and consume food into our mouth. So that's, you know, what you get sometimes when you feel like a little burning or stinging feeling on your tongue. Not really an allergic reaction, but just something like the body is, is warning the rest of, of your immune system that something is not quite right. Well, that reaction can also happen very subtly in somebody who has food allergies and food sensitivities. Oh, and one more thing that I forgot to tell you is histamine levels are high in little kids that are teething, right? which, and this is a conversation for a whole nother day, but we have high levels of histamine in kids that are teething because they're, again, their bodies are vulnerable. They have an open, you know, system there where the teeth are coming up and, and the circulatory system is potentially vulnerable. So there's high levels of histamine. And the problem with that is, is that in a young child before the age of two, when the blood brain barrier is sealed, it can increase and accelerate the, the risk of exposing or you know, making the blood-brain barrier more porous. So that goes back to your original question, Karen, which is why we worry about histamine in the brain. Because if we have a lot of histamine in our gut and in our immune system, we then create a leaky blood-brain barrier, which allows the histamine levels to be elevated in the brain. Interesting. I am I am uh, fascinated with the blood brain barrier. I think it you know it's there's so many things that can cross it and and that can breach it when it's not supposed to be crossed and and how some of these toxins and chemicals are getting into the brain and causing all of these physical, emotional, all these health and behavioral issues that are going on with all of our kids and even ourselves. And uh, mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, go ahead and just uh, continue with this. Uh, so the blood-brain barrier can be weakened. Um, certain things can then cross over, maybe starting even early at an earlier age if this has happened. And then mm -hmm. um, certain foods, uh, if, the, if the body gets toxins, extra toxins in it from various methods, whether it's a vaccination or air pollution or food or uh, you know just there's so many things that uh, we can get toxins from and then the system gets overloaded the the liver can't keep up and it gets congested it backs up and then we just become this toxic overload and that's when the body starts to crash so histamines then are triggering one more reaction to have the immune system fight and 
what are um, I know there are some some top foods. So do you want to maybe mention some of the foods and some of the things that parents can look for as well? As far as keeping histamine levels low or gut healing foods. So, you know, just like what you said, the whole thing is completely and totally multifaceted. And I will be completely honest with you. I really, really hate a low histamine diet. Okay. And why is that? It's so restrictive and it's so Mm -hmm. hard for compliance. And patients feel so terrible when their histamine levels are high, and then they feel like they've, they've betrayed themselves by eating a food that is may very well be very nutrient-dense and beneficial for 1,100 metabolic processes, but it has high levels of histamine in it. So those people, uh, those people on, that, on a low histamine diet may stay away from that food. So what I like to do in my office instead is completely ignore a low histamine diet for the most part. I mean, I, I, you know, there are, there are foods that are overwhelmingly high in histamine that everybody should be avoiding that can, you know, just imbalance your immune system, you know, dairy, wheat, corn, soy, chemicals, you know, sometimes bone broth and, and certain red meats with the way that they're prepared. But that's a story for another day. So but what I like to do is go back to the original premise of naturopathic medicine, which is just heal and seal the gut. So initially, I will take some of those foods out, but it's usually for a short period of time, largely because in many cases, the foods that I'm taking out are so nutrient-dense that I want those, those patients to be able to get that, those nutrients from those foods. Okay, and uh, we'll talk about some of those nutrient-dense foods that are worth, uh, like you said, sort of taking the risk on and just watching for symptoms and maybe also how we can help the body to assimilate some of that as well after this break. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm your host, Karen Thomas, and today we are talking with Dr. Kendra Becker on the MTHFR uh, methylation gene mutation and uh, dietary needs that are really important to know around that and symptoms that you can look for in your child. But also, uh, before the break, we were talking about some histamine foods or, or and, and have low histamine foods versus having more of those in your diet, but there are some nutrient-dense foods that have histamine reactions or can cause them and there are some natural things that you can take i i personally i will often take a quercetin before i eat something that i know how can my body can have a histamine reaction to but dr becker i would love to hear from you some of your favorite nutrient dense foods that are again sort of worth eating because they have so much nutritional value but they might cause some histamine reactions and then what you like to do to help the body uh, assimilate some of these um the the histamine reactions that might come from it sure well certainly anything that's been pickled like sauerkraut you know things like kimchi can be high in histamine and we all know that you know pickled and fermented foods are incredibly beneficial to gut healing they can be high in histamine so you know those are things that i will take out initially for patients and then sometimes give them back you know in a couple of months once we've done some gut healing also you know beans and nuts also are very high in histamine and especially for little kids tend to be really useful and beneficial foods because they are nutrient dense they're easy to eat you know kind of on the go and certainly even for little babies you know since we're not part of the cheerios culture you know giving them small you know chickpeas 
or black beans and things like that is really good for the two-point pincer graft. So those are things in particular I, I try to avoid initially and then we'll give back to people. <clears throat> also, things like papaya that have a whole lot of digestive enzymes can be a, a really big histamine liberator, which means it can release histamine from your cells, and so that's something that can be problematic. But like you, quercetin is immeasurably beneficial. Also using curcumin can, can help. High-dose vitamin C, some, in some cases even vitamin D. Also, you know, you can support the body with biotin, which is, again, another B vitamin, and biotin is a cofactor in the hydrochloric acid pathway. So if you actually allow the body to make and manufacture more hydrochloric acid, it should ease and enhance digestion, which in some cases actually lowers histamine. But really my go-to is using immunoglobulins. I love using hyperimmunized eggs or immunoglobulins from hyperimmunized eggs because they have all of the histamine um, or, or the histamine blockers. It increases the body's ability to make an enzyme that blocks the histamine called DAO. So in, in most cases, overwhelmingly, I use a ton of, of that kind of product. And there are specific eggs you're talking about. Um, are, are they just something that, that parents would read on a package and noted in the store on the eggs that they would have it? Or are you just talking about organic eggs? So is there something in particular we're looking for? Yes. So it's, I'll be honest with you, and you know this about me, I'm a complete professed supplement snob. So in this case, mm -hmm. I actually made and manufactured my own. So these are all organic wild pastured eggs. That come and, and the way that my product is manufactured is all of the egg protein has been removed. So even patients that have anaphylactic egg allergies have, have had tremendous results with this product because it lowers the immunoglobulins and it lowers the histamine, which of course then subsequently reduces the risk for an anaphylactic reaction. So the research on it's been remarkable. I've had such good luck using it with patients that have had histamine levels that are out of balance. I've used it with my pans and pandas kids, and I, I find it to be absolutely remarkable. So, yes, it's a very specific product. There are other companies that do make hyperimmunized egg products that you can find in powders and in capsules and things like that. Um, I, don't, I can't speak to them, but I know the, pro the physiologic process of hyperimmunized eggs is to use the immunoglobulin that the chickens produce to be able to, to balance the immune system in humans. So I think it's all probably in pretty good shape. I would just be really cautious about the contents, especially if somebody is egg sensitive. So you're creating a supplement yourself, you have, and then this can be, I assume, yep. purchased from your website? Yes, absolutely. Yep. Okay. And we will be sure to, to link on the show notes at nationallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 74. I'll have Dr. Becker's website information. Uh, I just want to continue on this right now. Um, so sure. you have, so with these supplements you're giving so that, so the child's getting a little bit more protein. Is that basically, and also reducing the histamine reactions, but is that a twofold? Is that your, your main reasoning for the, for this particular product? Yes, yeah, so this product has no protein in it whatsoever. This has just okay. the immunoglobulins in it, which helps heal and seal the gut. So you know in a case of leaky gut, you have cells that, you know, cells are porous because it's tissue, it's not plastic, and the cells line up next to each other. And as the cells separate and create what's called a gap junction, the space in between the two cells is what allows protein and other matter to to 
slip through that and get into areas of the body that it shouldn't be. So by using hyperimmunized eggs or my product, which is called Immunomax, what it does is it, it uh, reduces the inflammation that exists from leaky gut, reduces that little gap junction, which allows the contents of digestion to actually be digested in the GI tract instead of in some other area in the body that mounts a reaction. Okay. Um, and I, I'm just curious because I have interviewed Dr. Zach Bush as well, and he has his product Restore that t- tightens up these tight junctions. Is it the, similar yeah. to, to the, that, that, that product, which now Ion Gut Biome, uh, which I'll link to on the show note page as well? But I'm just curious if it, it has basically that that's what you're talking about. Is that what it's doing is it's tightening up, you know, closing up those tight junctions so that they're not open and leaking things out, and it's helping to heal the gut. Is it similar? Correct. Okay, yeah. okay, now, just wanted I'm not to be clear on it. familiar with, re- yeah, with Restore. I think Restore is a bunch of micro-minerals, correct? Yes. Okay, it's, so this it, is immunoglobulin, so it's a different mechanism, but it works in the same area of the body. So by using uh, minerals, what we're doing is we're giving the body cofactors to be able to develop the, constitu- the constitutes that it needs to be able to make and manufacture the cell membrane properly. The way that the immunoglobulins work is they actually work to reduce the inflammation because you know if you have a swollen ankle, it doesn't fit in your shoe right. If you have a swollen gut cell, it's not gonna fit in its little spot correctly. So by reducing the inflammation, you're actually reducing the size of the gap junction. So it's a different mechanism for the same outcome. Right. Okay, great. Sounds wonderful. Um, And I also would like to touch on the, um, you know, if a parent is, again, we we talked earlier about making sure you're not eating uh, foods that say, you know, um, fortified with B vitamins, because those synthetic vitamins can make this issue much worse. And parents need to be aware of that. Uh, And also wanted to say, okay, if you're transitioning into some B12, you're using it some topically, you're healing the gut, once you've got the gut sort of starts to be healed and, and you're moving down down the road again I found also once the gut starts to get healed and and uh, you're getting you know support for detoxification which is key and lymphatic drainage all these things going to support the system and by the way to parents listening because I don't want to confuse you I talk about this in my master class that's going on right now so please register for it but um, in that also then you're transitioning once you want to transition into maybe be supplementing with a little bit of b12 i found glutathione prior to that also is helpful but uh, do you have anything else besides the topical that you talked about there can be hydroxy b12 that can help pre and things like that so um i'm just curious if you have some some other helpful tips for segueing into using b12 aside from the topical or maybe that's your favorite way um but uh but yeah i would love to hear about that we're actually going to take a really short break right here when we come back um uh, then maybe i'll i'll see what you have to say about that it would be great so stay with us you're listening to naturally recovering autism we Hi there, and welcome back to Naturally Recovering Autism. I'm Karen Thomas, and I want to thank you for being here with us today. Um, we are here near the end of the show. We just have a couple last things that uh, we're, we're going to discuss, but I hope you hope you found this really helpful, and I hope that you're 
taking care in your home with your family and now you have some other tools to utilize please take advantage of my master class going on right now uh, free registration for it is at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash masterclass all one word masterclass and I've also listed that and every a lot of things we've talked about today on the show notes page which today will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 74 we've had Dr. Kendra Becker here with us and um, and I do have a little bit I'd like love for you to talk about Dr. Becker in the short time we have left on uh, B12 um, transitioning into methyl B12 uh, supplementation um, but I would like to also make sure that uh, you give your the link to your website as well which I have put on the show notes but I'd like for you to be able to share that with our listeners right now as well so uh, go ahead and I'll leave it to you awesome so my website is www.fwcct.com you can book your office visits you can check out my supplements the classes we offer things like that so and then as far as b12 supplementation it's definitely something that is individualized per patient and in some cases you have to start with just something as simple as multi-minerals you know you use magnesium or you use trace minerals or something to kind of prime the body to get those pathways kind of open and moving in some cases i use b vitamins not b6 b9 or b12 but something like b1 or b2 again to just slowly get those pathways moving in some cases, I use a topical B12, or I start with a hydroxy or a, an adenosyl B12 that uses a different pathway to get inside the cell. But ultimately, the, the entire, every body and every cell needs methyl B12 in order for it to work properly. So all of these steps are just kind of like a priming so that we can get the body to be able to accept and tolerate the levels of B12 it needs for functioning. Right. The hydroxy can be helpful or like I said, I have found, I mean, some people, I just had a mom write in and she said, I went to the doctor and the first thing they did was give my, my son a bunch of methyl B12. And she said, he went crazy for three days. I I didn't even know what was going on. And I said, because his body was not ready for it. And now parents, you're here listening, thankfully, because you have these resources to understand why you don't don't want to just throw certain supplements into your child you need to know this is a process and a lot of practitioners don't even know these things so you now have the knowledge to uh, to, to help work with your own child uh, and be able to understand what needs to happen for them and and why because the healing of the gut is so so important for many of the reasons we've shared here today and uh, and then also food absorption of course you want them to be absorbing the nutrients from the foods that they're eating and if they have leaky gut or a weakened digestive system that can be a, uh, you know challenging for the body to do then their brain is starving so healing the gut up uh, getting like we said some of these minerals in minerals and I binders are really important for detoxification sopping up some of those extra binders as you're on this process and again if you want my help with this please please go to the show notes page or register for the master class right now naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 74 is where everything is linked to please share it with others you know who could benefit they appreciate it as much as we do And we're all here to help each other take care in these times. And we look forward to seeing you 